Doctor ESQ podcast. My name is Mickey Turner. You can find me on Twitter at Turner ESQ. I write for a website called Soccer ESQ, where I write about the business and law of soccer. And I also am a contributor for The Athletic and Sounder at Heart. And I wanted to record this podcast to talk a little bit about some of the issues going on in U.S. soccer. Obviously, on the field, there's a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, The women's national team had a great win against France in the quarterfinals of the Women's World Cup and have advanced to play England, while the men are in the knockout stages of the Gold Cup. So a lot of good stuff going on the field. Uh, Unfortunately, off the field, uh, things uh, continue to be uh, somewhat problematic in that the U.S. Soccer Federation is in the midst of what appears to be something of an internal revolt And I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes, uh, what's kind of the cause of this, and where I see things going going from here. Uh, For those of you who haven't been following what's been going on, uh, about a week ago, a story started blowing up that there was, uh, as I said, an internal revolt of sorts in U.S. soccer regarding the potential appointment of Jay Burhalter as CEO of the U.S. Soccer Federation. Currently, the uh, holder of that position is Dan Flynn. He's been there for about 20 years. He was actually scheduled to step down, well, I want to say three years ago or so, uh, but that didn't happen. Um, he actually had a heart issue, and that resulted in things being uh, put on hold for a while. And in the meantime, we obviously had the uh, men's failure to qualify for the World Cup as well as the U.S. soccer uh, presidential elections, uh, which resulted in Carlos Cordero being uh, voted in as president uh, last winter, meaning the winter of uh, 2019. uh, Sidney Parlo-Combe was appointed uh, as vice president, so there's a new leadership structure now in place. And with that done, uh, Dan Flynn has decided that it's about time for him to step down. And as I said, on the heels of that, you have... A number of potential candidates. Uh, the person who appears to be at the top of the list is Jay Burhalter, who is the brother of U.S. men's national team head coach Greg Burhalter, and that has caused a number of issues in uh, as a result of what some see as a potential nepotism, um, notwithstanding the fact, or you know, um, including the fact that the search took to appoint Greg Burhalter took about about a year longer than some people uh, would have hoped to find a new national team ho- coach um, after Bruce Arena uh, stepped down. So I want to step back, though, and talk about what's, what is the cause of this of this uh, uproar um, in Soccer House, which is where the uh, U.S. national team, uh, or the U.S. Soccer Federation, excuse me, uh, is, is essentially housed in Chicago. So essentially what happened was about... Three weeks ago, almost a month ago, um, I personally received an email from a source who is a current employee of the U.S. Soccer Federation. Obviously, I'm not going to disclose any identifying information, as this was sent to me um, on the condition that I uh, not uh, identify uh, the person um, and their position in in Soccer House. About uh, about three weeks ago, I was sent an email um, pointing me to the fact that there was a concern among a number of U.S. Soccer Federation employees uh, about the toxic culture in 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 the Federation. Um, there's a, 
alleged to have been a or alleged to be a massive disconnect between the leadership and the rank and file. I was pointed to a website called Glassdoor, which is essentially a a, a site where employees can review their employers. Uh, you know, think about it as a, a Yelp for for employers, where they can leave reviews about the pros and cons of the uh, what they believe is the uh, the work environment. And this covers anything from you know uh, pay to to leadership to uh, you know you know discrimination or whatever claims that they may have uh, you know that they may not feel that they can go to their HR department with because there's a fear of retaliation obviously. And about as I said about three weeks ago I got this email and listed a whole number of things that were alleged to uh, be going on uh, behind the scenes. Um, you know, reading the email was, was, you know, disturbing to say the least. Uh, you know, some of the, you know, the, I would say the frantic nature of the email and the desperation of the email came across, uh, because it was clear that, uh, this particular employee didn't think that there was any place for them to go to, to air their grievances. And so that's when I think these reports started to come out, um, Andrew Doss of the New York Times has recently recently uh, published a story uh, with some quotes from again anonymous sources because again no one's going to go on the record uh, uh, you know for fear of retribution or being black blacklisted and so Andrew Doss uh, recently published a story kind of uh, exploring some of these uh, some of these allegations and there's been some other uh, reporting as well uh, Grant Wallace had some stuff on this and as well as Paul Kennedy. And uh, actually, I hope to get Paul on the show here uh, to discuss this once we get a little more reporting on it. But all of this came to a head about a week ago when uh, when the New York Times story came out. And so it's been a very interesting few weeks as I've been trying to source some of this stuff. I was able to confirm the, uh, this, the validity of the reviews fairly quickly. But obviously, getting people to go on the record is, is somewhat difficult. And so a lot of this stuff has been kind of behind the scenes uh, talk. Uh, I, I've talked to probably, oh, I don't know, six or seven at least uh, current slash former employees, mostly former, uh, about their time at Soccer House and what they perceive to be a, uh, a negative work environment uh, you know, at, at, the, at the Federation. And it's, you know, I think the dis- the Federation having followed up with them because it's obviously only fair to give them a chance to, to chat, um, to give their perspective on this is I think it, it ranged initially at first from, well, this just is probably just a few, uh, disgruntled employees or some trolls because, um, you know, again, glass door, you know, it's, it's not like you can necessarily validate all of these claims. And so, and, you know, the Federation has a lot of detractors at this point, and certainly uh, it's not, I wouldn't put it past trolls online from creating accounts to, to make up fake fake claims, which is why it was important to, um, to verify some of these reviews. But I think the Federation's perspective has gone from, well, this is a bunch of either disgruntled employees or trolls to now, well, maybe there's some stuff going on here at minimum we should be paying attention to. So I think that's uh, kind of where they are now. But the email I said uh, that kind of tipped me off, I'm going to read uh, a portion of it 
obviously redacting any identifying in any identifying information so um, this is the email so I'm quoting from here it says I'm currently an employee of US soccer who truly cares about truly cares more about the good of the game and the future of the sport over my career I just know if I put my name on anything I will practically be blacklisted in the sport as a few other former colleagues have been um, and then I'm kind of uh, like I said making sure I'm not identifying anything here uh, with a new CEO, U.S. Soccer CEO on the immediate horizon, I thought someone with a voice and strong interest in everything happening around the Federation should be aware of some of the employee reviews recently published on Glassdoor.com with some very specific call-outs of leadership and the toxic environments at Soccer House that the current leadership has created and the next CEO could have a chance to change. We don't know where else to go as HR won't do uh, anonymous surveys and these issues need to be heard by someone in, um, in power or a voice. Uh, regardless if they are actually affiliated with uh, U.S. Soccer or not. I can't name one co-worker member who wants Burr Halter as our next CEO. We're scared shitless and we'll see staff turnover at the highest rate ever, uh, parentheses, it's already extremely high, if he is promoted. I know most of the U.S. Soccer community slash fans think our biggest issues are on the field. However, I'm confident in what has been happening um, in development in the past five years and our biggest issues are off the field as you're more than aware of uh, with the legal battles Thank you for all you do in educating your followers on the issues at hand This is just one more huge one that could have quite the trickle-down effect. Thank you And that's it. So that is the email I received that that kind of tipped me off and then again This got kind of broken up all or blown up online on Twitter about, like I said, about two weeks ago, uh, I know Chris Kessel um, had some of these reviews. And then from there, I was able, as I said, to verify some of the information going on here. So that was the email I got that started off. And then, I, again, I've had several uh, you know, former, uh, former employees talk to me about some of the issues that they've had with, with U.S. soccer. So, again, this breaks down to mostly the, the imminent hiring of the next CEO of U.S. Soccer, and so let's talk. I'm going to talk about that right now, and that's Jay Burhalter, who is who's presumed to be the front runner. From everything I have heard, uh, he is you know the one that they are pushing. Or I should say, according to reports, that Dan Flynn is pushing as to be the next CEO. I believe it's Grant Wall who had this on Twitter that uh, Carlos Cordero is not necessarily sold on Dan uh, or on Jay Burhalter. But that Flynn is essentially pushing him. And as I said, Burhalter is the brother of Greg Burhalter. Uh, he's been the COO of the Federation for quite some time now. Um, and what I can say about Burhalter, Jay, that is, from my experience, which is limited, so uh, let's, I don't want it to make it seem like I had multiple conversations with Jay and, and you know uh, we're friends or, or, or acquaintances or anything like that. My experience with him was at the uh, AGM in Scottsdale in February, and it was mostly observing him, really. Um, and he seemed to me to be a very knowledgeable person. Uh, very, uh, he was willing to chat with the membership of the federation, and I recalled him sitting and having a you know at least a forty-five minute conversation with a couple of members, just you know, kind of chatting about, you know what he believes is uh, the way that Federation needs to move forward, um, you know, financially, as far as investment and things like that, seemed to be very engaging to me, uh, 
you know, maybe he was just putting on a show. I don't know, but uh, I didn't get that impression. Uh, seemed to be very nice. And so, you know, again, that is just my experience based on observing him essentially for about 45 minutes to an hour after one of the sessions uh, at the uh, at the AGMs. However, that's only one side of the story, obviously. And behind the scenes in his in his you know day job when he's actually working with uh, the soccer house employees i got a different impression from the people i talked to which is that you know in your face abrasive uh you know does not play well with others uh essentially is is the review i got from him and that matches up obviously with what is being discussed uh, on glassdoor um and based on my other discussions so that is something that i think the federation needs to obviously take a look at if they're going to be hiring him because again based on the email i got there wasn't <laughs> according to the email there was not an employee who was interested in seeing him promoted and thought that it would result in in massive uh turnover uh because of his of his management style so that is is that's not good and that is something that's probably why uh cordero is somewhat leery of of that of, of bringing him in the fact that Flynn wants him is that's not particularly surprising they've had a close working relationship for a number of years and obviously we have to talk about the uh, the quote-unquote nepotism um, of it all uh, it there was a year-long search for a head coach of the men's national team after arena stepped down and Burhalter was not a part of that search per se, but he is obviously a high-ranking employee with U.S. Soccer, so it's difficult to separate that uh, from the hiring search. Uh, his his role or even perceived lack of role, um, you know, there's going to be some influence there, even if even if he you know is walled off. And there was questions about Burhalter's hiring throughout this process. He was clearly one of the uh, you know top line candidates. Uh, for the entire search and it was just you know people were concerned about the nature of 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 why it took so long for a a coach that they clearly wanted to to hire and you know again even if Bert Halter was not a uh a Jay that is even if Jay I'll just use the first names for now even if Jay was not involved in the search it was just it was just a bad look and now they are potentially looking at promoting him to CEO of, of Soccer House of the Federation. And aside from the management issues, you've then got, you know, two high, you know, two brothers basically running a substantial portion of U.S. soccer at this point. Because the CEO, you know, Carlos Cordero is the, uh, you know, is a president, but... It, it's not a ceremonial position, but it doesn't have nearly the power that I think some people think um, that it does. It's basically, it's kind of like the uh, the English, uh, you know, monarchy. I guess, uh, you know, the the queen is not really in charge of anything. Um, it's more the the parliament. So, uh, so that is something that people are highly concerned about, and. I don't know how it's going to shake out at this point, but but that issue is is not anything that's going to go away. So, and that leads us into the search for the CEO, and that's kind of where things stand right now. There is a committee that is involved with that search, and I will discuss that more in just a moment. Okay, I'm back, 
and let's talk a little bit about the search which is going on right now to find uh, a new CEO. Carlos Cordero obviously, I think, stung a little bit by this story coming out, uh, issued a letter a couple of days ago on June 26th, and obviously, you know, this, this, I think, caught the Federation a little off guard. And so they realized that they needed to put something out here because this issue wasn't going away. And so Cordero issued a letter which basically talked about that they have heard the issues that have been raised by the Federation um, employees. And now they've got some, I think, procedures are in place or they're going to institute some procedures. First of all, uh, he mentioned that they have a, uh, a new website or a website where, uh, you know, ussoccer.com uh, slash uh, report a concern. And there's a couple of things that I think are a little iffy about this. Number one, that, again, it's being monitored by their legal department, which is fine per se, but they're still retained by U.S. Soccer. And so I don't know if you're going to get a bunch of employees uh, handling those concerns uh, off to the legal department because I'm not sure that that provides sufficient safeguards to prevent retaliation. Uh, you would want something more of an independent outlet uh, for those concerns. I mean, again, the, the whole problem with employees going to, to HR, uh, again, is that they fear retaliation if you get the wrong person and this stuff gets leaked. Even, uh, you know, anonymously is one thing, but, you know, again, that, the, you know, at some point there would be an investigation potentially, and then, you know, that, that, that anonymity is likely going to go away. So, Aside, you know, aside from that, the letter, you know, obviously mentioned a bunch of stuff about his, uh, you know, you know, his praise for Dan Flynn, which again, Flynn is alleged to be part of the problem here. So I'm not sure that seemed to me to come off as a bit tone deaf, you know, again, you know, I'm, I may be nitpicking a little here, but uh, again, you know, the fact that they, uh, Cordell felt compelled to write this letter is certainly uh, evidence that they are more taking this more seriously than I think they did initially. So uh, the letter comes out and, you know, they've got the website that you can report your concerns to. It goes to the legal team. Um, and so we'll see how that, uh, you know, how those new safeguards are put into place, if at all. And so we'll see what's going on here. So, uh, but again, the, as it goes to the search for the new CEO, uh, Cordero's on the search committee. He's the chair of the search committee. Uh, again, People who, if the other reporting that Cordero is not sold on Flynn is accurate, then that's probably good news for people who don't want Burhalter in there, Jay, Jay Burhalter in there as CEO, unless uh, Flynn and others are able to uh, change his mind. However, the other point of that is Paul Kennedy, in some reporting he's done, seems to think that this is all a show and that Jay being appointed as CEO is a fait accompli. And they're going to basically hold off on uh, let the news die down and then, you know, quietly appoint him at some later point in time, which would probably be uh, I, I, it's, I don't think it's going to die down if that comes, if that happens, um, unless there is a, a thorough explanation of the vetting process and the employees that were interviewed. And so. This is one of those situations where it, perhaps this this search should be a bit more public than it has been to this point, where uh, where the employee where the prospective 
employers, or I should say, these prospective candidates are are fully outlined and vetted, and we'll. So that is something I'm not sure that has been done at this point. So I would be a little concerned about the lack, and I wouldn't call it a lack of transparency per se. I would just say a lack of information at this point um, about the about the candidates. All we've heard about essentially is Jay Burrhalter, and we don't know if uh, what the interview process has been like, uh, you know, who they're talking to, uh, you know, what kind of reviews they're they're you know looking at you know because you've got now a bunch of anonymous reviews on Glassdoor talking about what a terrible decision would be to hire uh, Jay Burhalter as CEO, and I think with that in mind, if if the employees are that um, upset and the rank and file uh, of the you know membership of the federation is is not happy with that, and then you've got a bunch of media members who are questioning about you know the the pri- propriety of bringing in a second uh, Berhalter as it were in a high a high profile position not to say that Jay isn't currently in a in a high profile position as a COO but this is just another situation where it could lend itself to to more disillusionment with the uh, with the US Soccer Federation at a point where interest is arguably at the lowest at least on the men's side obviously the women are are having fantastic success and i'll talk a little bit about about the off the field stuff going on with the women here shortly but the problem here is that if you're if you're bringing in another uh jay it's just gonna lead to a lot of disillusionment with the employees it seems like and definitely with the uh, rank and file membership of the federation across the country and it's not going to be a good look unless they can explain the the process they went through to to come to Jay as as the solution as an in-house candidate and the reason that I think that they're not going through with a more open process and why they haven't explained all of the candidates they're going through is some other reporting which is that they're having trouble bringing in outside candidates and that's because of all the lawsuits that the federation is under according to reporting by Grant Wall and I'll talk about that here in just a moment. Okay, I'm back, and I definitely wanted to talk about this because this has been a a, a source of consternation, I would say, in the uh, in the federation for the last two years, and that's the number of lawsuits that the federation has been involved in. This is actually kind of how I got my start covering uh, soccer in the United States. Uh, as as most of you know, I'm an attorney, and uh, I. I started my interest in in sports writing covering the NASL v. Uh, U.S. Soccer antitrust lawsuit. Um, I'm not going to get into the lawsuit specifics here today. I'll save that for a different podcast. But I definitely wanted to talk about all of the lawsuits and explain why that's probably having a detrimental effect on them being able to uh, retain, uh, you know, outside candidates. And as far as I can tell. There are at least six lawsuits going um, going on that the federation is either being directly sued under, or is you know tangentially involved in. As I mentioned, you have the NASL lawsuit, which is in the trial discovery phase. Uh, they're um, exchanging documents, 
interviewing witnesses, conducting depositions. I can tell you that a number of persons have been deposed in this lawsuit already. Uh, I got in call. Um, I got. I got some trouble or grief for disclosing some of the names of the people who have been deposed so far, uh, so I'm not going to disclose specific names. Suffice it to say, names at the highest level um, have been deposed so far, and that lawsuit is is has been delayed again. The discovery process will not be complete. It looks like until early winter 2020, and that means that the lawsuit itself will not go to trial and probably until probably summer of 2020. And so you're looking, you know, again, that's not too far from now. Um, for people who are interested in the NASL coming back in some iteration, it's it's a long time. But in the scope of a trial it's uh, of this complexity, it's not particularly long. But that's still going to drag um, this out for a considerable amount of time and expense considerable resources in the trial process by the time this thing is over you're looking at you know probably five to seven million dollars worth of attorney's fees being spent on on both sides if not more and that's not even getting to a potential appeals process and we're not even talking about damages here we're just talking about attorney's fees here so you've got that to worry about you've also got the yedlin crossfire case now the u.s soccer federation wasn't sued directly um, as a result of that yet but as many of you who have been following that case know, uh, Crossfire, which is a youth academy that trained Yedlin for uh, you know between four, uh, three and four years, lost on a technicality in that suit when they determined that Tottenham was uh, had already paid uh, you know MLS at the direction essentially at, of U.S. Soccer and MLS, and so the the DRC Dispute Resolution Chamber determined that. Uh, they weren't going to make Tottenham pay twice, but Crossfire ultimately won on the merits of the case. They were entitled to the solidarity payments, and I've spoken with Lance Wright, the attorney for Crossfire, directly on this, and he is going to go after U.S. Soccer and MLS to collect those fees. Um, I'm waiting to get an update on whether he has had a meeting with U.S. Soccer um, or MLS to determine who's going to pay that. The estimated amount is is $100,000, which is obviously not nothing, but not a huge amount in the context of, of you know development academies. So someone's going to be on the hook for that. And if uh, either U.S. Soccer or I should say if neither U.S. Soccer nor MLS determine they want to pay that money, then there's going to be another lawsuit. So you can add a potential one on the fire, which is why I'm kind of including that in this in this whole in this whole section. Uh, you've got uh, the U.S. Women's National Team and Hope solo lawsuits currently ongoing. Uh, they've both been put on pause essentially while the Women's World Cup is going on um, for for good reason, it was decided that neither side wanted to, to try to step on what was going on there. Um, but those the Women's World Cup is closely, um, fastly coming to an end. And so those lawsuits will commence going forward. Um, the interesting thing is that the Women's National Team has recently uh, agreed to pursue mediation with the Federation to try to hammer out some of the equal pay uh, uh, allegations or disparities that are alleged to uh, you know be at this at the heart of the lawsuit I uh, hope solo I'm not sure what her her plan is at this point uh, the women's national team is trying to get her and you know consolidated in the lawsuit essentially because they basically have the same facts and so it would make sense from a you know from that perspective to have her involved but obviously her relationship with uh, 
the women's national team is is a bit up in the air and we all know what a relationship with the US Soccer Federation is at this point. So, uh, you know, there's two separate lawsuits going on there. There's also the U.S. Soccer Foundation lawsuit uh, versus the Federation. The Foundation is trying to get, uh, you know, some trademarks uh, with regard to, uh, you know, the design and logo and things like that that they've used for the last 20 years. But the Federation is obviously uh, due to the severing of ties, essentially, between those two organizations. The Federation does not want the Foundation using those those marks and logos anymore. And so there's a lawsuit going on. And that one looks like it'll go to trial um, eventually. I've talked to, at length, the Federation and Foundation about this. And, and I'll update that in a separate lawsuit. Again, I don't want to get too bogged down in each specific lawsuit here. But... It, it's it's pretty clear that they both have diverging views on on the use of those marks uh, going forward. So uh, there's another lawsuit that's likely to go to trial. We also have the relevant sports lawsuit, which was uh, primarily uh, arguing about the federation's uh, sanctioning of of friendlies between four um, teams from four um, foreign federations. Uh, relevant wants to bring in actual games, like games that count to the United States, and that has been a source of, uh, you know, consternation from the Federation. They have been pretty steadfast in their opposition to that. Uh, the, the Federation's power on that on that score is, is, is derived essentially from uh, FIFA saying that, you know, you should play your, your home games, your, your league games in your home country unless there are extenuating circumstances or you get okays from all of the confederations. And... Uh, that's not something that the uh, U.S. Soccer Federation has really wanted to push at this point. And so there's that lawsuit, too. And I think I'm forgetting another one. Um, the NASL had another lawsuit that was dismissed, um, ultimately, on, on other grounds. But, yeah, so you've got a bunch of lawsuits that the Federation is either involved in um, directly or tangentially. And that's a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of depositions and a lot of interviews. And uh, it, it is not surprising that they've had trouble... Uh, if that is true, bringing in someone outside who wants to, to run this because the CEO makes a good um, good living. A good it's a it's around seven to eight hundred thousand dollars, and then there's probably bonuses and perks and things like that. Uh, so that's certainly a salary that um, um, a lot of people wouldn't say no to. But the people, the type of people that you're looking at to bring in here, probably already have uh, good salaries and good resumes. And so it may not be worth it to them, even if it's a slight increase or especially if it's a decrease in salary from what they're used to, to to uh, to come in, especially uh, come in cold and have to get dug in and stuck in on all these lawsuits. Um, Jay Burhalter obviously, is someone who is intimately aware, having been there for quite some time. Um, and so uh, he, you know, he can step right in. He's not going to miss a beat. So, I mean, there are good reasons uh, to bring him in potentially. Um, but again, you've got the problem with, uh, you know, with the management, with the employee, uh, feedback, um, with the nepotism allegations. And so that's just, it's a problem. It's, it's a problem that they're going to have to deal with. If there truly are no outside candidates who are, who are interested, then it would probably behoove the Federation at some point to not say that, you know, because all these lawsuits, we can't find anybody, but basically say, look, a Jay is someone who knows the you know, you know knows the ins and outs of the federation. Um, he is already probably involved in in the uh, the lawsuits in some uh, fashion or another, and he he makes the most sense. But he they need to do more to assuage 
especially the employees because they're the ones that are directly impacted and the you know the federation membership generally and the fan base generally that this is a good hire and right now to this point they haven't done that and so uh you know flynn dan flynn was not somebody who really did interviews or anything like that um probably because there wasn't a need to um you know especially with you know carlos cordero would be that typically the one uh to to maybe be more out there but maybe this is a problem with the federation generally is that they uh you know the leadership does not do much in the way of of interviews uh with with media um or with membership um and so maybe it's a little too insulated uh you know that may seem like a pitch, you know, for them to talk to people like me, and and, and maybe they should, you know. Again, they are, uh, you know, the you know the leadership, and so maybe they sh- you know should be held accountable um, to to the um, the their employees, the membership, and the fan base more generally. So maybe so they should be more out there, and maybe that would assuage more uh, assuage uh, the concerns of people. But again, they just haven't done that this, to this point. It's been all behind the scenes. And that's part of the reason that these uh, reviews uh, probably started coming out is because there just was nothing, uh, they weren't doing anything uh, about uh, the concerns that were being raised uh, behind the scenes. So unfortunately for them, they're kind of in this spot now where uh, they're going to have to probably be a little bit more out there than they uh, used to be. So that's, you know, that's just the kind of the way it is at this point. So, uh, so I think I'm going to close it off here and i hope you have enjoyed my uh discussion about these uh, these issues there's going to be a lot more coming out here i'm still doing research for stories on this and you know again this story is i don't think going to go away if that's what the federation was hoping for yeah the the minute he is appointed it's just going to raise all of these issues again so uh you know we're probably going to be back here in the next you know month or two talking about uh the potential appointment of burhalter because unless unless they do something to to work with the um employees who are having these concerns and do something to talk and relieve some of the pressure with regard to the uh, nepotism issue and just burhalter generally uh you're going to see this stuff come back again so anyway this has been i think a good it's been it's a worthy discussion to have and hopefully the Federation understands that they have to do more work because I don't think uh, just blanket a blanket appointment of Burhalter um, is, is going to sit well. And so they're going to need to do more uh, to, to kind of groom him to, to, to take over. So we'll see what happens. I want to thank everyone for listening to this edition of the Soccer ESQ podcast. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Turner ESQ. You can find me on uh, the web at SoccerESQ.com, at The Athletic, and at Sounder at Heart. Oh, I should mention, because I didn't earlier and I meant to, there's going to be a lot more content coming out this week and probably a few more uh, podcasts because I am headed to New York City and to Columbus. The Seattle Sounders are playing NYCFC on Wednesday the 3rd, and then they're playing Columbus on the 6th next Saturday. And I have the ability or the opportunity to be out there to cover both of those games. I will be doing some uh, fun stuff this week, which I will provide more details uh, on later. Uh, So hopefully lots of interviews, lots of podcasts. Next weekend, I will uh, spoil this. I will be doing a, a kind of a, a Save the Crew recap episode uh, 
with a couple of esteemed guests, which I will announce at a later date once we get all that firmed up. But I'm um, very excited to to be out in Columbus again. The last time I was out there was in September of 2018, covering a motion to dismiss the Save the Crew lawsuit that was filed by uh, MLS um, and pre-court that obviously uh, did not uh, they did not prevail on that and the crew were ultimately saved so this seems to be a perfect time for me to get back out there see a bunch of people uh, I think we're going to try to do a happy hour podcast thing um, on that Friday night so stay tuned for that uh, closer to, to uh, the week I'll be like I said in New York doing uh, some uh, doing some visits doing some interviews uh, I'll be covering the Sounders games, obviously, so I'm super excited to be out there to do that, and I'm looking forward to uh, being out in New York. I've actually never been to New York proper. Uh, I've been to New Jersey, uh, but never uh, New York uh, in the city, so I'll be in there. I'll be there Tuesday and Wednesday for sure. I don't leave for Columbus until Friday, so I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing on Thursday. I get in Monday, so I'm actually uh, leaving later today, um, recording this Sunday. Um, I've got a red eye that I'm going to hop this evening and yeah, so I'm looking forward to having some adventures out on the East coast for the week. And if you're in the New York area, feel free to send me an email or a DM, uh, through Twitter. And I will hopefully ha uh, be able to meet a few people who are out there. So again, this has been the, uh, that was a, that was a lengthy closing to the soccer ESQ podcast. Uh, but, uh, I forgot to add that. So I wanted to do so. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening and I will talk to you soon.